0: Hello, my lovely. Welcome to Motherkind Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm your host, Zoe Blasky, and this is the show that's going to help you navigate motherhood with more ease, connection, and compassion. Welcome to this first ever brand new community episode of Motherkind. I am absolutely buzzing to be launching this today. Our Motherkind community is an incredible one. Every day I get messages from you telling me about your lives, your experiences in motherhood. And I find these messages so inspiring and helpful and connecting that I just don't want to keep them to myself anymore. So every Friday for the next six weeks, we're going to pilot this and see what you think of it. I'm going to chat to one of our Motherkind community to share their story. This week, it's Amy. Amy is a solo mum to her five-year-old daughter. In this episode, she tells us how she's navigated anxiety, perfectionism and a really harsh relationship with herself in motherhood to today feeling so different and Amy shares exactly how she's done that. I loved Amy. She is so warm and wise and funny as you'll hear I really hope that you love this new format. I hope you love this episode. Please do let us know what you thought. Please do share it. And here it is. Amy, I'm so excited to welcome you to our brand new community episode. When we first chatted, I just knew your energy is just gorgeous. I just knew I wanted to chat to you on the podcast. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. So tell us, how's your morning been? What's been going on? My
1: morning has been good. It's just been school run today. It's a little bit calmer than most mornings, which was
0: nice. I know, it's a welcome reprieve when everyone actually gets their socks on, shoes on and gets out the door, isn't it? Definitely. We went to the beach last night, so I think the cool breeze last night really set us up for a good morning. <laughs> oh my God, I did not have a good morning this morning. Jesse. Normally she has two slices of toast. I ran out of bread. She only had one slice. She wailed about that. She's seven. I'm like, dude, come on. She wailed about that for like 10 minutes. But I guess because I, you know, I allow all the feelings in our house. So it just means that they all come out. But you know, this morning I was like, oh my God. And she doesn't just do normal crying. It's like this wailing. It's funny. And then it cleared You know, like the feelings pass. Then she's like, "Okay, I'll have the toast now." I'm like, "Okay, (laughs) it. That's fine. I'll eat the one slice. Not a problem." (laughs) And I'm there, like shaking, you know, from frustration on the (laughs) camera. I know. So tell us a bit about you and your journey into motherhood and through motherhood so far.
1: So I am a single mum of a five-year-old, and I think I think the beginning of my journey into motherhood was quite challenging the first two years to be honest I was going to say first year but definitely the first two years were really tricky so I think that first year I just put so much pressure on myself to be a really good mum because I've worked in children's services for years so I was like I know all the strategies I know how to be a good parent I know what a good enough parent looks like and I just put so much pressure on myself. I was like, oh, am just not good enough. I'm not doing it well enough. Nothing's going right. This baby doesn't sleep for more than two hours at a time, despite all the lovely sleep routines and this, that, and the other. And it was just really, it was just really, really stressful. And I found it so much harder than I expected to. And then I felt really guilty, really bad about that and just not enjoying it all. Oh, I've been so looking forward to it for such a long time I was so excited to become a mum and then actually it was really 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 difficult and then obviously the sort of second year it was Covid and I was a single parent by this point and I just found myself really really isolated really really alone and I just started uni as well as I went into that sort of second year starting uni in the pandemic as well so there were just so many changes so many challenges and lots of different struggles going on at that time. So it was really hard.
0: It's so interesting because I've spoken to quite a lot of mums, obviously on the podcast, who pre-motherhood did something in you know, psychology or with children or with teachers. And I feel like the pressure then or the expectation is sort of doubled. Did you experience that? Is that where the pressure came from that you were like, well, I should know this, that that should yeah, absolutely. And I think it really was. It was a case of that should. I was like, well, I do know this. Why is it not
1: working? Why is it not being better? Why is she not sleeping? Why can't I get her to take a bottle And all of these just different shoulds, expectations, questions, and really just pressuring myself to get it right and to make it right somehow, even though actually now, looking back on it, I just had to just put so much pressure on myself that just didn't need. To be there at all. Have you always been like that? Yes, I think so. I was kind of always like a real people pleaser, just wanting everything to go well, definitely like a real perfectionist. And I think that can, even still now, that can come up and that cause me a lot of anxiety now because actually I do want to do well at the things that I do because those things are really important to me. And it can still make me anxious. But I think in a very different way now to how it used to affect me, I can be aware of. Okay, I feel a bit anxious. I'm really like wanting everyone to do well, people to be happy. But actually, am I happy? Is this what's best for me? Is this what's best for my family? And then I can make my decisions from there, basically.
0: I was the same. You know, I've always been really perfectionist, and I think when you take that perfectionist quality into motherhood, it can make it really, really difficult. Because of course, like there's no way to do it perfectly. And babies and children are completely uncontrollable. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You cannot control them. And then it just this sort of storm, isn't it? Of pressure. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about talking about perfectionism, because I feel like for me, it just completely tripped me up. And before motherhood, I could sort of work around it. I don't know if you were the same. Like I would often pull like an all nighter at work to make the project perfect. Do you know what I mean? I'd go to three different parties in a night because I didn't want to let anyone down. Whereas in motherhood, you can't do any of that. You really get confronted with it, don't you?
1: I think it's because the perfectionism, you can control the perfectionism before you have children. I can just stay up all night and get this done, but it doesn't really matter what you do with a baby. They're still going to do what they want to do. The toddlers are still going to do what they want to do. It doesn't make any difference, does it? And it was for me, it was just that that loss of control, and I think I then tried to get as much control of everything as I possibly could in my life, definitely in that first year, and control and micromanage every minor detail. It just wasn't helpful. I mean, in the end, I self-referred into our local IAPT service, and I had a formulation of OCD and anxiety at that point. It was really useful for me to actually work with a therapist and look at those controlling behaviours because that was the beginning of it being so
0: freeing for me. What did you uncover through that therapy? Because I know lots of people listening are going to relate to that need to control and micromanage. What did you uncover and what are some of the tools that have really helped you to feel differently now? In the therapy, it was a lot of looking at the way that
1: My past behaviors, my perfectionism in my childhood and throughout my early 20s, how that had served me really, really well. And I had done really well at everything that I'd tried really up until that point. And it just wasn't working for me anymore. So it was really about just unlearning and unraveling all of those things. And then in the therapy, we did lots of exposure to not controlling situations and letting them be really uncomfortable and just sitting in that. So for me, that was. Amazing. And then at that time, actually, it was probably probably just after I finished that therapy, was when I probably first started listening to the podcast. And I think the very first episode I listened to was with Dr. Kristen Neff, and it was all on self compassion. And I can just remember being like, I don't have any self compassion at this point. I was beating myself up. I was so hard on myself. And it just being, amazing and then actually I really started to listen to a lot of her meditations and really started to learn about self-compassion and build it in as like a daily exercise and that for me has probably been the biggest game changer in the whole of my experience of being a mother so far and even now to this day if I shout or if I do something that goes kind of against my values or isn't what I want to do it's self-compassion first before anything Else, anything else at all. And that's how I can learn. And that's how I can do better. And that's how I can think, okay, maybe this tool would have been better at that time. And actually give myself that I think, Christopher Neff calls it fierce self compassion. So actually, you can change from that point from a loving place, not from a I should be doing better. I'm beating myself up because I could do more.
0: Yeah, you're so right. Because when we go into that shame place, like, oh my God, I'm the worst mother, person, daughter, whatever, ever. You can't actually access any change from that place. Your body goes into freeze, doesn't it? You can't actually do anything about it. You just get yourself stuck. I loved that episode as well. I mean, I love Dr. Kristen Neff. I think she's incredible and what I love about her is that she does talk about fierce self-compassion like she's not airy fairy like I love the story when she tells about do you remember her autistic son and how she realized that if she could very quickly say to herself this is really hard you're doing all right he would then start to change because of those mirror neurons have you noticed your relationship with your daughter isn't it yeah, it is. Yeah. Five-year-old daughter. Yeah. Have you noticed your relationship with her change since you've been able to be kinder to yourself and use those self-compassion tools?
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's something that I can really use with her as well. And actually, I can give myself verbally that compassion too. And I'm like, actually I'm having a really tricky day today and I'm trying my best, but I've made some mistakes and like, you know, that sort of thing. And I can offer it to her as well. And actually, you've tried so hard. We don't get it right all the time. And At that age, I think, I don't know if you found this with your daughter, but since starting school, she's got some pressure on herself now and she wants to do well at things and she can get really frustrated and really cross with herself when she can't get stuff. And actually, I think being able to give her these tools of self-compassion will really help her as she gets older to be aware of, I want to do well. I'm finding this tricky, being kind to herself and finding ways forward that are going to really be useful to her from a
0: kind place it's mad isn't it how like we think that or certainly I did growing up I think the sort of parenting in the 80s was a lot of like pushing through and the harder that you are on yourself the better you're going to do and Kristen Neff talks so brilliantly in that episode about how actually all the studies show the opposite. When you can have that growth mindset and think, I can't do it yet, but I'm going to learn how to do it and have that compassion. You're way more productive and successful. It's just mind blowing. It's like we sort of got given completely the wrong model. Jessie's like this. She does put a lot of pressure on herself, but I think I'm doing a good job uh, modeling. I try really hard to model. Like mummy's going to try this new thing on the podcast. I was talking to her about this episode we're doing this morning. I don't know how it's going to go. Like it's new. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done it before, but I'm going to give it a go. Like I keep saying stuff like that because I think it's so important because when I was growing up, my esteem was so low. If I didn't think I could be the best at something, I just wouldn't really try. I would give up very, very quickly or just write myself off as a write-off.
1: Yeah. Same. I really don't want that for her. I can remember being, even as a really small child, just so cross with myself. No, no, we don't want that for them. I think it's so difficult. But yeah, exactly what you were saying this morning. I was doing exactly the same with my daughter this morning. I was saying, I'm feeling a little bit nervous this morning because I'm doing something I've never done before. And she kind of really gets it. And actually, she's really empathetic. And she's like, Yeah, yeah, we all get worried. And then she was dressed as a butterfly this morning before school, so we were both putting our arms up and down doing butterfly breathing together this morning. She was like, "We can breathe, we can feel calm and I was like, "We can, can't we, let's do that together It's just a really different to the way that I was parented.
0: yeah, so I love what you just said about we all get nervous, like just completely normalizing that whenever we do something new, we do get. Anxious or nervous or excited. You know, you do get whenever you do something outside your comfort zone. And of course, childhood, the whole thing is outside their comfort zone because they're always learning something new every single day. Jessie will say it to me. She's like, I'm really nervous. I'm like, why would you not be nervous? You've never done this before. Of course, you're nervous. And I just think about the difference, you know. My mum didn't have those tools, or my my dad. You're doing something new, and it feels scary. Of course, you are. Yeah, exactly. And I think our parents, you know, the generation before, they just weren't taught how to hold those emotions. Typically, so it would have been sort of, oh, don't be silly, get on with it, or you know, oh my god, you're anxious, you know, like panicking. Whereas I just love how our generation are able to normalise those emotions and just, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm so excited to see. The next generation with this emotional health like the difference that it's going to make yeah me too i think
1: actually giving children these tools and parenting in ways that can help them to sit with and experience like all of the emotions even the really uncomfortable ones is going to create so much more resilience in them as adults than maybe we had when we were you know in our early 20s before we learned all of these tools
0: Yeah, I hope so. So you've talked about self-compassion and just this amazing shift that you've been able to make from controlling and beating yourself up. And oh my God, I so know what that feels like. To when I'm looking at you right now, I see a lot of freedom. I see a lot of spaciousness, which is just gorgeous. What else has shifted in you through your matrescence and your motherhood journey? Do you know, actually, it was on the podcast again that I learned about matrescence. I'd
1: never heard of it. And then I just happened to listen to the episode with Amy taylor Cabaz when she talked about matrescence and that's all of her work that she does. It was just like the answer that I didn't know I was looking for. I'd never heard that term before. And I was just still at that point. Nella was kind of probably about 13, 14 months old, I was back at work and I was just thinking, why isn't this working? So I had so many questions, still putting a lot of pressure on myself. Why wasn't I feeling myself like more myself? And then I listened to that episode and I was like, this is it. This is exactly where I am. This explains everything. This is exactly what I'm going through. And it was just amazing to hear and like so validating, so reassuring and again, I think that with the self-compassion, that really took a lot of those kind of pressures and expectations that I had of myself to feel normal by that point. So it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm back at work. I am don't have a tiny baby anymore. Although she definitely did still sleep like
0: a tiny baby at that point. She was probably still up every two hours. But <laughs> those two words together, like self-compassion and matrescence, to me, are just like a complete of someone just saying it's all good it's all good do you know what I mean it's almost like having like warm honey poured over your head or something gorgeous it's just like it's just so calming and reassuring and like it's all good I just love those two words and concepts so much
1: and I think when you are in those early days of parenting that is what you need you need that loving gentleness kindness because it's so new it's so difficult you're going through so many changes that actually that is exactly what you need is just just that understanding and that space you don't necessarily need strategies and tools and this that and the other actually it's all going to be okay just a
0: really big hug and support that's all you need and also you know when we get calm and feel that like exhale. Oh, like that just has a massive impact on our children because of course, emotions are contagious. I can still see it now when I get het up, the girls instantly start acting out. It's mind blowing. I'm like, oh my God, this is actually real. What those people talk about in the podcast. It's real. I can see it in front of me. It's mad. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It makes such a difference doesn't it? As soon as you can feel it, as soon as the energy shifts, you're like, this is coming from me. Everyone's actually picking up on my energy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What are some of the other tools that you've learned? So when you feel yourself like going into control or fear or anxiety, you talked about that beautiful butterfly breathing. I love that. Is there anything else that you can share with people listening that's really helped you? So I think for me, it has been a lot of
1: emotional regulation exercises and really learning about breath work. That has been hugely useful to me because I work with families, I've always worked in children's services, but actually my first reaction isn't always to be calm and parent gently or anything like that. So just being able to stop and breathe before I respond, give myself some space so that I can respond in the way that I want to. Because otherwise, actually, I found that often I was just reacting all the time. In the early days, I was just reacting. I just citing fires all the time, just dealing with things. But now I can really have that confidence to parent the way that I want to and go against a lot of, I suppose, the kind of societal expectations, and the normal things that people expect you to do and feeling really absolutely fine, better than that. I feel great about doing those things because I know that it's what's right for me. And if it's right for me, it is right for my daughter as well.
0: It's so amazing how, obviously, with all the the hundreds of episodes I've done and everything that I hold in my head, it really is, I'm learning more and more every day. It's the simple little things that make the biggest difference like that breath. Because like you were saying, I find that my brain, I believe this is wired for like fear and panic and anxiety. Like it just is. I think, who knows why that is, but it is. And if I don't take that breath, I just go there straight away. And it's like that little breath of like, take a minute, that gives me a choice. And then in that choice, I actually can start to do stuff differently how I want to in a way that feels good to me. But without that, honestly, I'm sort of screwed, to be honest. Like I'm straight back into controlling, perfectionism, pressure, guilt, shame, all of it. Because that's what's hardwired into our
1: brains, isn't it? From probably childhood experiences and all the rest that go into it. And I think for me as well, you know, I'm very much a single parent. I have my daughter seven days a week, the vast majority of the time. And I had to stop waiting for other people to give me time and other people to help me out just because I thought they would know that I'd need help because I'm a single mum. So for me, it really was actually about getting my power back, making time and finding ways to do the stuff that I enjoy. Yes, most of the time I do do it with my child because that is what is realistic. That is what is workable for me. So I just prioritize myself and actually having a shower as and when I want to rather than always waiting for the most kind of necessarily convenient time, making sure that I eat three good meals a day, making sure that I go to sleep on time. And I know this isn't the case anymore, but a few years ago, it was actually when I got my daughter ready for bed, I would get myself ready for bed because then actually there were all those nights that she didn't go to sleep well and getting her to sleep would take a couple of hours. But actually, if that was going to be the case, I was all ready for bed. I could just sort her out in the time that she needed and go straight to sleep myself rather than thinking, oh, I need to get you to bed because I've got these things to do. I was just more realistic. And I think that That helped a lot because I didn't have that help, especially then when we went into COVID and things, You know, I really, really didn't have any help. And I think just asking for help as well. Asking for help has been one of the things that I have really, really learned because before I thought that other people would know when I needed help or offer help. But actually, I have learned, and I've probably learned the hard way, unless you tell people exactly what you need and exactly what you would like them to do, they're probably not going to offer it or they will offer you help, which like, oh, I feel like I should be really grateful for this help because they're giving me their time, but it's actually not what I need. Like it's not helpful for me. And then you can feel a bit resentful of that. So that's been really, really useful for me. And then I respect that other people have going to have their own boundaries. I'll ask my help. And I trust that if they can say yes, and they can give that to me, great. If they say no, they have said no, because they don't have the capacity to do it. And that is fine and i can accept that
0: yeah you're so right i would way rather someone says no to me than do something resentfully like it would kill me if someone was round my house helping me or picking up one of the girls but doing it like annoyed at me for asking but they just couldn't say no i would hate that i love it when someone says sorry sir i can't help you out i always say thank you so much for being honest like i really genuinely appreciate that yeah thank you for your honesty thank you for for giving me that no Oh my gosh, Amy, I could chat to you forever. Maybe we need to do a follow-up with you. It's such a joy to chat. And I think you've touched on like just essentially the essence of Motherkind and the podcast. And I'm just so grateful for you sharing your story with us. I really, really appreciate it. And I know that everyone listening will as well. And I'm going to ask you the question, which you've probably heard the answer to hundreds of times, because I know you've listened to lots and lots of episodes, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why?
1: So I've thought about this a lot over the chance I've heard the episodes and listened to people's answers. But actually, I think for me, it would be community and support, because I think when we have that support, when mothers have that support and people to turn to, and they know where they can access support friendships tools professionals family friends whatever that looks like when you can access that support you can do anything I think you can be the parent that you want to be when you can reach out into that community and sometimes make it your own because it isn't always there is it we don't always have the family or the friends or all those things and we have to actually go out and make that community ourselves
0: yeah you're so right Thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy. I have loved it. And thank you for being in the Motherkind community. And thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I've had a great time. Thank you very much. So that was our first ever motherkind community episode what did you think do you want more let us know over on Instagram zoe.blasky and if you want to share your story I would love to hear from you email Angie at motherkind.co and we'll get back to you and I will see you on Monday for our short 10 minute moment episode on Thursday for our usual in-depth expert interview episode have a great weekend I'll speak to you soon